Hello, hello. My name is Dr. Rachel Gainsborough, and I am obsessed with all things short-term rentals, revenue streams, and helping you navigate your career, real estate, and your busiest and most wonderful seasons of life. I'm an immigrant, a pharmacist, a wife, and a mom who took one guest room rental and turned it into a multi-property, seven-figure real estate business, which has also landed us on TV. I'll teach you the real secrets and everything you need to build a short-term rental business that you love. I discuss the hard topics, mistakes I've made, and the mistakes others have made so you don't have to make them for yourself. Financing, automations, acquisitions, low occupancy, scaling, and building your team all while balancing your life are all subjects to be discussed here. Consider me that one best friend you can come to with your short-term rental business questions. So grab your coffee, get comfortable as you get ready to learn and grow with me. This is the Luxury Short-Term Rental Doctor podcast. Hello, everyone, guys. Oh my goodness. I am super excited to bring with us Miss Chris Dees. Chris, you're an absolute rock star. I could not wait to share you and your story with the people. So for those of you who do not know, Chris is a realtor by training, and she not only leveraged her realtor skills, but she tapped into Luxury Short-Term Rental Academy. She harnessed the power. <laughs> Of the community there. She is a pod leader. I mean, she's a mom. She is doing the thing. And she launched Sheila by the Sea, a property to honor her mom, the property where she and her family get to spend time together for generations to come. And I am calling it. So, Chris, massive congratulations to you. I was just telling the group if Chris could figure this out, y'all, we all can, because <laughs> this was truly an everything is figure outable situation. I like to say that, but you really tested that, Chris. <laughs> really tested it for me because it was like, you know, a lot of obstacles attempted yeah. to get in the way. And, you know, you weren't going to have it. So massive congrats to you. Thank you. I am super, super excited that you're joining us. I'm just super, super stoked that you're here. And something that I learned not too long ago is that not all realtors know about short-term rentals. Not all realtors invest. Contrary to popular belief, I thought the realtors, they all had all the houses because they were realtor and they were hoarding all the houses for themselves and they knew all about <laughs> investing. Because they're realtors. They play in that playground all day, every day. But one thing that I learned last year was that 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 wasn't the case. Quite a few, you know, realtors, they, they, you know, the vast majority actually do not invest in real estate. So I'm super honored that Chris trusted her short-term rental education with Luxury Short-Term Rental Academy. She came in, guys, and she did the thing. She actually engaged. She is a star student. She launched her property. She overcame significant objections and obstacles and I, i'm just celebrating you today chris i, I just have oh, thank so you. massive <laughs> congratulations to you chris tell us a little bit about yourself i want the people to know you know your story where you come from what your experience has been what your career has been what's your tell us tell us spill the tea because i know it's going to help someone who you know may relate to some of your experiences yeah, sure. So I 
purchased my first property back in 2007. It was my first home. It was like for primary residence for myself in Atlanta, actually. And it was 2007. So probably the worst time to buy a home. And when we bought it, the property dropped literally like in half. And then we relocated due to work and school and we could not afford to sell it because we were underwater. And so we became landlords by default, actually, me and my husband. And I just really enjoyed like the process of managing my own property. And that's what sparked my interest in real estate, actually. And then when we bought our home here in North Carolina, my realtor said to me, like, you should think about getting into real estate. And that's what kind of led me to get my real estate license. But when I got my license, it was always with this idea that I really liked the property management aspect, not because I wanted to be like America's next top realtor or anything like that. And so that same townhome that I owned in Atlanta, we still owned and I was still managing as a long-term rental. And I just knew that when I relinquished that property, I wanted to venture into short-term rentals. And I actually thought about doing it prior to getting introduced to you, just never pulled the trigger on it. And you actually came to speak at my brokerage and that is how we met. And it was really like serendipitous because it was right around the time when I was starting to get serious and knew I was ready to convert that long-term rental into a short-term rental. And I just kind of, I had a hard time deciding that I needed help because I know that I do have a background in real estate. I know a lot, but I figured like why muddle my way through it and let me do it right the first time. So that was kind of my approach to it was I really just wanted to get everything right the first time around and wanted to try to avoid making like costly mistakes. So that's, I guess, a little bit of how, how I got into it. Awesome. Awesome. So that time, if we could rewind a little bit, when the realtor kind of put that little bug in you, you should really get into real estate. What were you doing for work at that time? And what kind of pushed you forward? Because full disclosure, I've been trying to get my real estate license for like six years. And I just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> so this is probably going to be like a therapy session also. Yeah. Like, yeah. so. So I would say like right now I am not full-time in real estate. When I signed up for your academy, I was, but my background, well, I actually have an engineering background, but I was, I've also worked most of my career in education. So at the time I was working for an education nonprofit and doing, at the time, I think I was in their consulting department. I also spent about five years working on the talent team. So that is what I'm doing now full time is doing like talent and recruiting. But I still, of course, have a big foot in real estate and do I still do real estate as well. So that was that was what I did part time for a very long time. I spent about a year and a half to two years full time in real estate and I was doing real estate sales, but that kind of solidified for me that my interest is really in my own property. I love to help people, but my like passion is around like the numbers and investing. And so I wanted to like focus my energy towards thinking about my own investment portfolio. 
Oh, I love that. And and that really shone through because you were one of the first ones to raise your hands in the group and create this pod, which I absolutely love, where you did market analysis, portfolio analysis, and it was just more about the accountability and like, let's hash it out type of, you know, group think is like the think tank of our, yeah. of our mastermind, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Yeah, I love numbers. So like, show me a spreadsheet and I get really excited. And what was really nice about being a part of your program is it really showed like what tools to use to help me figure out numbers because the calculations I was doing prior to joining your program, I was re- I was about to buy some funds that were not going to flop as short-term rentals just because I didn't know like what I needed to be looking at and how to calculate those numbers. And you talked about like realtors and their short-term rental knowledge. Honestly, the types of calculations that you need to do to look at like if purchasing a home as a primary residence is a good buyer, even purchasing a home as a long-term investment, completely different than the type of calculations that you need to do to figure out a short-term rental is going to be a good purchase. And I feel like I learned probably like four or five different tools I could use through your program. And so having access to all of those was super helpful in helping me to figure out where I wanted to purchase. I spent a lot of time just agonizing over the decision of like where to buy and which house to buy, but it was really helpful to like hand those tools in my toolkit to be able to crunch numbers and make a like data-driven decision as opposed to just going on a whim. And I think that's key too, Chris, because one thing is I like to say is we're not going to invest off of hopium, right? We're not just going to invest and hope it works out. I think it's really important to go in on the data. And my goal really was to de- demystify, you know, the numbers demystified numbers. And you're right. I have at least four tools, you know, that I like to use. I know in module number two is where we start to get into the analysis. So everything from air DNA to data Rabu to price labs, market minder, I think it's called market something. I forget. We can go deep. We, we actually have some bespoke tools as well that a dashboard that's been created for us that we can leverage. What am I missing? I think I'm missing a couple more, but for me, it was getting corroborating evidence that this property was actually going to make what I think it's going to make and make sure it pencils out before, you know, investing. Right. Yeah. Because we we leverage, but we don't want to over leverage. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your experience with some of the properties that you're putting under contract. Like, I feel like we've been through, (laughs) we're about to be trauma bonding right now. Oh, we went through it. We really did. Well, I'll start just by saying before I, like right before I signed up for your class, I had a, my, my eyes set on this property in Virginia Beach and I just 
like thought it would make the perfect short-term rental. And then the very first module I did, you talked about like regulation and looking that up. And I learned that short-term rentals are actually banned in a large area of Virginia Beach. And so I said to myself, like, this is already paying off because I was about to make a really costly decision and buy a house that it would have been illegal for me to operate. So that was like lesson number one for me. But my my goal in like my property identification, I really like your kind of your philosophy on you're going to have to put the same amount of work for a two bedroom property as you would for a four bedroom property. So I wanted to find a property that was going to be bigger. Also thinking about my family being able to utilize the property, just a larger home would work better for us. And so that was kind of what I was focused on. I'm in North Carolina. And so I wanted something I could get to fairly easily, not not necessarily something in North Carolina, but something that I could either drive to or a place we visit often. And so I was looking a lot along the Virginia coastline and eventually I narrowed it down to Norfolk and went under contract on a house. And I was like, this is it. This is the one. It's meant to be. The heavens have aligned. I just knew like it was the perfect property. I did a lot of research on the regulations. I saw that it was like a long process, but they had everything like spelled out clearly on their website. So I checked that box and had a property inspection that went well. Appraisal was scheduled and I was set to close in like two weeks and got a a text from my agent saying might have a issue. The listing agent just realized there are deed restrictions for this house. Turns out the property apparently on the deed had a restrictive covenant. I've never heard of this before. So the home is not in the HOA community. It just had restrictions that run with the property on the deed. And when she actually got a copy of the deed and sent it to me in all caps, it said absolutely no rentals of any kind. Like not short-term rentals, no rentals. The home had to be occupied as a primary residence. And it was due to the funding that the builder received to actually build the home. Um, apparently a number of the homes in that area, there was some kind of special program. The builders received funding in exchange for adding these deed restrictions to the property. Wow. That was a blow because it took me so long to identify like where I wanted to buy and make the decision to purchase. And so was this before Georgia or after Georgia? That was before. This was before, the first okay. house I went okay. under contract for. And I remember I I left you a message on Slack, I think, and you recorded an audio back to me. And it was like 60 seconds. But I promise you, Rachel, it was really what I needed to hear in the moment because I was like boom crying when that contract fell through. Like, I wasn't really, I, I just knew it was the one. I was like, this And I'm like, two weeks away from closing, you know? And you said to me, you said, you know, Chris, you walk in wisdom. 
And I, those words like really stuck with me throughout the whole process. So whenever I like started doubting myself, I remembered that I'm like, okay, you know, I can make wise decisions. And you're like, if this isn't working out, it's not the house for you. Yeah. And yeah, so that was that was number one. And when but when it fell through, I really went back to the drawing board. Like I started looking everywhere again because yeah, I just there wasn't another like natural fit at the time. And then another thing I should add, just in terms of like thinking about financing, we our financing fell through. At that time, too, we went from having one W-2 income in our house that we were planning on using for the financing to not having any W-2 income. And as I and we say, software it, company layoffs. Yes. Like, yeah, a lot of tech, people were in tech layoffs. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. were impacted by that. Yeah, I remember that. And I was an entrepreneur and I didn't have two years of work history. And honest, and I thought at the time, like, I'm going to have to delay this. Like, I'm going to just have to buy later. And it was actually in one of our coaching calls. I heard one of your students talking about financing specifically for investors. I had no idea that there were like loan products that they actually use the rent potential of the property and not your income for. So that was news to me. I was able to pivot, find a new lender, find a new loan type to be able to move forward. And I think I think that's huge. And I know that's going to help someone because what she said that was really important, you know, when we have a situation where, you know, our job situation has changed. Yeah, the natural progression is okay, everyone let's hold hold off for now, right? We're not going to be able to move forward because the information that we have, our traditional way of doing things, well, it's not going to allow for it. And so yeah. that's what I love about the community that we've curated because I've, I've even learned from it and bringing in the expert guests who are able to give us, you know, the information, the knowledge of what products, you know, there are that are out there, of what products there are that are available not just a first-time home buyer loan or even an investment loan, but just different tiers of products. I thought that was key. And when you said to me, like, had it not been for for that knowledge, you would have just hit pause. Yeah. Um, and that's what, I was planning. that's what I was planning to do was to hit pause, but I was in your program, so I'm still going to coaching meetings. And I mean, in my mind, I had hit pause, but then I was like, oh, ding, 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 I can I can't try another route. You uh, stand in the back of the room, figuratively speaking, and then you just got. And that's the importance. I, I want to. I want to highlight that the importance of showing up. And so for you, Chris, you could have said to yourself, "Right now, my situation has changed. I no longer belong here at the moment because of my life situation." And there, that that happens, right? Life can, yeah. you know, give us a runaround. But you belong where you show up. I really believe that. And you showed up. And had you not shown up that day to get that little yeah. extra drop of encouragement that, yeah, there are other products out there. That, of course, entrepreneurs, you know, are purchasing homes. They may not have 10 years of work history. So, yeah, there there is definitely a way you, you belong where you're showing up. So I hope this is already giving you some some inspiration. Another thing I wanted to mention about that particular point in time is that so that 
first home I bought that I was selling, that is what was funding my down payment for my purchase. And I had that home in a 1031 exchange. And so I also was risking like losing that exchange. And for, I guess, anyone who doesn't know, 1031 exchange is like taking one investment property, trading it for another, but the proceeds typically I would have had a pretty large tax liability on those, but because I used it to fund my next purchase, I didn't, I, I don't have a tax liability on that, that money. And so when I was thinking about not moving forward, that was another thing that was in the back of my mind was like, oh, I'm going to lose my 1031 exchange. That's also what motivated me to keep moving forward and to try to find a way through. But yeah, that was home number one. So home number two, we... I started looking closer to your area. I'm from Atlanta, still had family in Atlanta. And so that was another like spot on my list was like at, towards the top of my list of places I was interested in investing. And through research had found a city outside of Metro Atlanta that I thought would be a good fit, found a home that I thought would be a great purchase. It was actually a property that had been previously used as a short-term rental. So there were some things about it that were already set up perfectly. Got down, did the home inspection. Home inspection was okay. There were like some red flags that I wasn't so sure about, but I was still willing to like move forward with the property. And it was actually after the home inspection, information we got from a neighbor that made me just say, you know what, I'm out. And once again, I've been realtoring for a while, something I have never heard of. The home was on a shared well, and that well was located on a neighbor's property, meaning I did not own my own water supply. I would not have owned my own water supply. There was no like shared well agreement. There was just nothing in place. And that was because very recently those two homes had been owned by the same person and the person started selling off their property, sold one to one person and then was sold the other to a different person. So now you have a well being used by two people with nothing in common. And the realtor and the neighbor that were at the other home with the shared well just were not, not nice to work with. And so I, at th- by this point in time, I was like, you know what? I've done this before. <laughs> I know how to terminate a contract and walk away. And so I walked away from that one very easily. A lot easier than I walked away from the first one. I was like, you know what? If that's for me, we're going to make sure we find the house that is for me. So that was number two. And and some of the deals that we say no to are some of the best deals, you know, ever for our lives. So saying no is a good thing, guys. Saying no is a good thing. So I love the way that you became a little bit desensitized by that time. Yeah. And, and there are more. <laughs> well, wait, there's more, guys. So let me let you continue. Go ahead, Chris. Keep, keep telling okay, us the so story. On to number three. And number three is the one that I ultimately purchased. It was a home I had seen prior to, prior to going under contract for number two. I thought the price was a little high. And I also found out from my lender something about the lending requirements started changing. When the interest rates 
started rising, the lenders got even more strict with those types of loans. And I feel like there was like a small requirement that was pro- prohibiting me from being able to move forward. It was something like they wanted you to have short-term rental experience or something like that. It was something like real small. And so I just kind of was like, I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to, you know, take a breath and see what happened after number two fell through. And on the same day, my realtor in Virginia texted me and was like, hey, just so you know, they just dropped the price 30000 on that home you were thinking about. And like within like an hour or two of that, my, the lender texted me and was like, hey, just so you know, they just like dropped that requirement. And so I was like, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Wow. And, I, and then I said, well, let's, let's see what happens. And so every step of the way with the property I ultimately purchased, I kind of had a, well, let's take a step forward and see what happens. Attitude about it. In the midst of being under contract for that home, I had to switch lenders because the first lender ultimately told me he couldn't finance it after we got in the thick of things and closing ended up getting delayed like two weeks. But I finally closed on my birthday as sad. <laughs> but yeah, closed on the property. And to be honest with you, Rachel, the hard part started then. <laughs> like, yeah, because as I mentioned before, Norfolk had a very long list of things you have to do to obtain a permit to rent short term. I will say there are a lot of people in Norfolk who just put their property on Airbnb and don't care about the, right. the rules. But I'm realtor trying not to lose my license. Also just want to do things the right way. Was like, okay, you know, this is the 20 things I have to do. I'm going to do it. And I was hesitant before purchasing the property because of the list of requirements, but they were very clearly spelled out on the website. And in my mind, like it created a bigger barrier to entry. So I was thinking, well, this is probably a market that won't get saturated as quickly as other markets. And as long as the process is clear, I can follow it. So that was kind of my thought process going into that. What I was unprepared for is that even though it spelled out in black and white on their website, there's just a lot of pieces of the process that involve other people's opinions and that actually require like vote. And I didn't, I don't think they, they put that as clear on the website. Cause even the first step of getting your license in Norfolk, you have to meet with the city. And I did that before I even closed on the property. I had a meeting with the city. And I asked them, like, you know, is there, do you see me encountering any challenges going through this process? Has anyone been denied? Like, I, I, I feel like I asked all the right questions. And I do feel like they misled me a little bit on just how much of a challenge it would be to get my license. I closed October 26th. I still don't have a permit right now and it's March and I started the process like the day before my birthday. So actually, no, before then, because I had my pre-meeting with the city like two weeks before I closed. So yeah, I started my process in October and it's probably going to take me until the end of March to actually get the permit. 
You you just packed in so much good information in here. So one thing you said, Chris, I thought was very important. You said, to, to be honest, you know, that's where the hard part started. So what's what's important to me is that, first of all, you figured out the acquisition. We don't want to get that wrong, right? So you figured out the acquisition. You used, you know, your resources inside of LSA to, to move the needle and to close on this property. But the, base, the biggest misconception is that's the hard part, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, guys, that is not the hard part, especially if you're, you know, surrounding yourself with an environment where, you know, there's encouragement, there's, come on, let's do it, let's move forward. Really, that's not the hard part. It's an important part because you make your money, you know, when you, when you buy, guys, yeah. you know, and remember, we're not buying a hamburger or, you know, sneakers. This is an investment property. This is probably one of the largest investments that you'll make in a lifetime or one of them. So it's really important that you, you know, Chris said she didn't want to be hunting and pecking for information and getting it wrong. So she surrounded herself and she tapped into the resources and and let's celebrate, you know, and, and this is one thing that I think we as entrepreneurs and high achievers, we don't do enough. You see, did you guys notice how Chris was like, yeah, to be honest, yeah, we closed, but to be honest, the hard part started. Like, wait. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We celebrate, you know, and I learned that from The Gap in the Game by Dan Henry, because even I, it's like I hit a goal, but I'm looking where my next goal is. But I need to measure the gap between when I started and me even being here where I am today, just being right here yeah. where I started. So you have a beach house. <laughs> yeah. Okay, for those that didn't back, come back to me if you're multi-type. Chris, you have a beach house. I am celebrating you today. I'm celebrating the fact that you went through almost missing out on your 1031 exchange. You went through, we didn't even talk about the kerfuffle with your property that was that you're selling. Oh, you're right. Let me look. You're right. Yeah, selling a property. Yes. Okay, let me. Go for it. Quickly, can I quickly annotate that experience? Because that, yes, this might help somebody. So we were selling, I I was selling my townhome. We, you know, had the list price based on comps in the area. My buyer, when their appraisal came back, it came back, I want to say $20,000 below the contract price. And, you know, I understand an appraisal is an opinion of value, but their appraisal had egregious mistakes on it, including my home being located in South Fulton and the appraiser, including a cop with, I think it was a Sandy Springs address on it. And we- And that's like a 50 plus mile- It is on the other side of Atlanta. On the, uh, guys, on the other, like an hour traffic. That was just one mistake. He also like included a cop that he said was still active. And so he didn't give it weight, but it had actually closed. It was like at least three mistakes on the appraisal. Pointed that out to the lender. The lender didn't even go back to the appraiser to give them a chance to rectify it. The lender came back to us and said, yes, we agree these are mistakes, though we don't think fixing it would change the value. And I think everybody just expected me to roll with that and like lower the price of the property and I was feeling like really upset and then I thought about it I'm like 
I don't have to just accept this. And so I told the buyer, like, you can find another lender and ask for another appraisal or, you know, we can just terminate the contract. And we ended up terminating the contract and the we're under contract again within like two days and same contract price, another appraisal, appraisal comes in at contract price. So I was like, I that was a twenty thousand dollar mistake. Mistake. Yeah. Oh, so that that was that. Thank you for reminding me. I oh. forgot about that. Yes, I can. But yeah, twenty thousand more dollars that went towards my down payment and purchase of this property that literally I feel like somebody tried to steal from me. So, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> so, guys, again. So that's another obstacle, right? Employment change obstacle. The first lender didn't work out obstacle. Then the next lender, you went through multiple properties. These are all obstacles that, you know, were in the way of you closing. So now you've closed. We want to celebrate that. You have come so far. Yeah. But you're right. There was still work to be done. As, As a matter of fact, what I love is you also were able to find someone to help on the ground as well which I thought was amazing yes that was awesome so let me ask you this I know some people may be asking or thinking to, to themselves well how if I'm just starting today how would I even find a property were you primarily looking on the MLS or were you looking at other strategies I know a lot of people are in the creative finance they say go out door knock put up signs how how are you finding these particular properties and I do know you have a realtor license, but I don't think you're licensed yeah. in some of these markets, right? No, I'm not licensed in any of the markets that I actually put in offers in. So I did utilize realtors in those markets, but I was like kind of dictating what homes I wanted to see. And I think it's John Bianchi on your team who says to like create a buy box. And I really like that strategy. So I actually started with the market analysis of looking at what properties are doing really well and trying to identify like what are the characteristics of those properties and then translated that to looking at the MLS to see what properties were actually listed. And around the time that I was purchasing, the market softened a lot. So that actually looking on the MLS became easier. Because there were a lot more properties available. They weren't flying off the shelf anymore. Even the home I ended up purchasing, I think it had been on the market for at least 30 days prior to me submitting an offer. Like I said, they had just done a big price reduction. Oh, yeah. I started with the market analysis, looking at homes that were doing really well, and then tried to see if I could find things similar that were listed. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And what I love about short-term rentals, guys, is that information's out there and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. So that that's really, really amazing. Okay. So I know that the clock is ticking and we could probably talk for hours and hours, but I do want to kind of walk <laughs> the audience through your thought process for the fact that it, it there were regulations in this market. I kind of like that, honestly. I know there are hoops to jump through, but I wanted you, you stated there were regulations, but you felt like you, like it would be a good thing. Could you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So 
One common concern with short-term rentals is like market saturation. So there just being so many rentals that it's really hard to distinguish yourself and that you have to work harder and harder for like the same piece of the pie, so to speak. And for Norfolk's regulations are interesting because they draw the line at like particular property types. So for instance, the area I'm in, if you have a four bedroom or larger, you need a special permit in order to move forward. And that getting that permit is very challenging. Like the first, one of the first steps is hosting a community meeting in which you have to invite everyone within 300 feet of the property to it. And so, and you have to like put up signs and there's just a lot you have to do. And so actually when we were looking at the numbers, the two of us, I remember like looking at three bedrooms compared to four bedrooms. And there's like a huge price difference between the revenue that three bedrooms and four bedrooms make. And I think that a part of that is because it actually, the barrier to entry for four bedrooms is a lot more challenging. It's very easy to go through the process for a three bedroom permit and so, yeah, I wanted to be at that, like, mark that is a little tougher to where I know just like any Joe Schmo isn't going to be able to set up shop next to me. Yeah, I love that. But it did come with its challenges, right? Yeah. So, That's an understatement. Like, understatement of the year. I know. Yeah. Just to, like, y'all. Just to quickly summarize, the first step is meeting with the city and like having, I had to have like an hour long meeting with them. They give you a list of requirements, which include planting a tree, paving a walkway at the property. Then you have to hold that community meeting that I spoke of. You have to turn in long application. You have to go before the planning committee. You have to solicit letters of support and submit those to the planning department, do a presentation for the planning department. They have to vote, make a recommendation to city council. And the final step of the process, you have to go before city council and they have to vote. The like voiceover that I didn't realize before going through this is there are like a small but vocal group of people in the community that come out just to protest short-term rentals and Depending on how like resilient you are, I think they are effective sometimes in getting them shut down or getting people to like give up in the middle of this process. So I definitely encountered that group. I was super prepared it on top of my game. And so I think that might have like stolen some of their thunder in their protest against me, but it still was like super stressful. And not fun to to go through, especially given the fact that the area I chose is an area where short-term rentals are pretty popular. It is like residential mixed with commercial. It's not like I chose like a gated HOA community. It's like literally a block from the beach. So yeah, that was that was super challenging to say the least. Yeah. And I just the way you presented yourself as a professional, I couldn't have been more impressed, Chris. Y'all, y'all should have seen her. I think I would have lost it at one of these meetings. And Chris calls the meeting. She she just really was prepared. She 
I took attendance. She went through an entire process. I thought I was sitting, you know, in some type of, I thought I was sitting in Congress, just the way she had everything. And you at my second meeting, Rachel, I, they forced me to do two of these meetings because of a complaint from a neighbor. And so the meeting you came to was actually the second one. I had to do that whole process twice. The first time was in person. About 20 people showed up angry. And I was just super unprepared to go through all that. Honestly, I probably would not have chosen that city if I knew I was going to have to go through all that. Nobody previewed for me. But a part of the problem is the city is kind of making things up as they go. And that neighborhood meeting requirement was a new one. I think I was one of the first people to have to do that. And I don't think they gave a lot of thought to how it will go if you have random people with no oversight or structure that have to come together and hold a meeting. So, yeah. <clears throat> oh my goodness. Yeah. And I just love the way that during the conversations, you, you were unplussed. You, you did not, you did not allow them to number one, ruffle your feathers, at least visibly. And number two, you didn't allow them to usurp the meeting. Yeah. And I absolutely, absolutely love that. You were very direct. And I think, you know, you can, you know, share a masterclass on it because I thought it was absolutely amazing. It was almost like you're negotiating. We don't negotiate with terrorism, but they were like, they wanted to take over. You know, I'm like, what can I say? I mean, they wanted to take over and you're like, no, you're not taking over my meeting. We have a time constraint and the next question, the next question. And so, and yeah. they came out with bizarre comments. They did. And I think it's important to call out that they do not do not represent the majority of people in the community. Some of the people that attended don't even live near my property. They literally have formed a little band to just protest short-term rentals. But there are about 60 people that I sent that mail or two about the meeting. And like four showed up to the meeting, I think, out of those. And one of them wasn't even near my property. So yeah, completely crazy. And I mean, all the people I've hired to help with my property, you know, a lot of them live in the community right near the property. So I know it is not like the pouring back into the community. And yeah. yeah, I know it's not the overwhelming consensus, but they certainly made the battle. Like they made it a battle, something that should have just be, been me following up the process. Yeah. And, and honestly, Chris, your situation is not common. It's not uncommon rather. And that's why I did want to call it out because I know a lot of people right now who may be listening, may be going through some regulatory constraints, some regulatory, you know, decisions are, are changing all the time. Yeah. And so I think some of the highlights of what you did and what I think is so important is Again, you came there, you were extremely organized. You took attendance, which I thought was great. And it's something that you implemented yourself. But now the new regulations is attendance. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're literally creating a scenario where they're drafting law based on what you, you have implemented yourself. You weren't overly friendly, nor were you, over, you know, aggressive, you know, which yeah. I think is very important because I think your tone and the way you present yourself, if you're just 
a little bit too giggly, maybe. And I'm speaking to, you know, those in the audience who are thinking, you know, well, how do I approach this situation? You know, you want to approach it with the utmost professionalism, you know, and what I love that you were highlighting, although you're very serious, but you highlighted the purpose of your home, your hopes, your dreams for this home to be in honor of your mom. And also a place for your family. But during your times when you're not local because you're out of state, you want to leverage it as a short-term rental and a mid-term rental, catering to families coming to the area, whether it's military families and all yeah. you don't have your permit at the moment, it is being rented till May. Yes, yes. <laughs> as a midterm rental, you know? Yes, so, yes. So you're still going through the process of getting that paperwork, but midterm rental you know, it's definitely a great way to save the day as you, as you continue to navigate. But I just, I thought it was an amazing masterclass on how to handle a belligerent crowd, because here's the deal. (laughs) Something that I noticed that even in Georgia and different markets, something that I noticed, it's almost like they transplanted the same people from state to state. They often come in with anecdotal stories. Yeah. and the stories have nothing to do with short-term rentals. Yes, yes, yes. The that's, pushback I that's got. That's The pushback I got, the examples they were citing were definitely related to long-term rentals. But I, yeah. I want to, before we run out of time, I do want to shout out a few people because I would be remiss if I didn't give them their flowers while I have the opportunity. The first, of course, is my property assistant. Like she has been completely amazing. As you mentioned, I hired someone locally that is like a couple of streets over to help me with the property. And I really could not have done it without her. I'm three hours away. And she's like, she's attending a fire inspection for me this week. So really pleased to have her. Also, Amy Powers on your team. She did my design. The property is beautiful. I've gotten like so many comments and compliments. Yes, please, please, please. And then one of your students, Annette Ford, she has her business now, Magnolia Accommodations. I was so just burnt out from the licensing process i was having a hard time getting my energy to get my listing together shake she, the wheel do you like somebody yes I, and, and i started a full-time job and that did my listing got the property up and literally we got it rented at like two weeks after she got the listing up so i am yes yeah, so grateful to everybody who and on the team that has helped me get this property up and running. Yeah. And, and you're right, because you had been resilient through it all. Like, did I did I just share my list already of everything that I did in your life? Like, I need a break, man. I need a break. So yeah, I'm 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 a big advocate of hiring help when you need it and also i will say like i i before joining your program i was doubtful about my ability to like manage a long distance property and listening to you encouraged me to go for it and the process of finding someone to be like boots on the ground and try to be my eyes and ears was actually went really well and i'm glad 
I'm I'm glad I didn't let that stop me from moving forward with the, you know, home that I thought would work out well. And I love that. And so what I what I actually love about you and one thing that I do want you to do or how I did it is you leverage the skills from your, you know, career, your yeah, you know, being <laughs> in the talent department to curate your team. You looked around, okay, who has this talent? And I just loved it. Yeah, I literally posted um, it like it was a job. <laughs> you know, one thing I'll say too, this home is a new construction. None of the houses I was under contract for before were brand new. So I feel And that's like, a value proposition, you know, yeah. that is, oh my goodness. So you, we shouldn't expect much in terms of capital expenditure or CapEx. You, we're not going to be- Yeah, because I mean, I have, a home, I have a home warranty too. So, oh, you know- okay. If something breaks, the, the builders actually already come back out once to address something at the home. So, yeah, hopefully we won't have any maintenance issues in this first year. I love it. So you are hosting your first guest right now. It's a nine day ish stay or three months stay. So I'm super excited. Are they there like? No digital nomads or what? I believe that these individuals actually live in the lived in the neighborhood and are selling their home and needed an in between place in between selling and purchasing a new home. So, so yeah, another way this house is service to the community because they're actually just located a few streets over from my home. And as I mentioned, I still had some inspections left to get before I have my full permit. So it is nice knowing that the home isn't sitting vacant while I go through these last few steps with the city to get the permit. I like to say I've done all the steps that involve somebody's opinion. And so now I just have to check off a few more boxes. That's fantastic. That is amazing. So you're well on your way. Massive thank you to all of you who supported Chris along the way. I'm just I'm so excited for you. I just cannot wait for you to get your permit and you can rent it out the way that you want to rent it out. But it's a win all around. Yeah. And this, you know, midterm rental gives you this pocket of rest where you can breathe and someone else is taking care of all the bills because you're not upside down on it. I will say. Yes. That. Yes. <laughs> really exciting. Really, really exciting. Oh my goodness, Chris. Just super proud. I, I know the trials, I know the obstacles, the tribulations, and just you, not only did you keep your head up and you continued, but you have been really instrumental in helping a lot of other members along the way and helping to encourage them. And I, I hear it throughout, you know, our community as well. So what would you say, you know, for someone who is looking to get started, but they're not quite sure if LSA would be a good fit or even getting any type of mentorship would be a good fit. Someone who's looking to start investing in short-term rentals for the very first time, what would you say to them? I would say to get clear on like what support you need because I entered with a very clear like goal for what I wanted to get out of it. Like Anytime I met with you or came to coaching calls, like I knew what I wanted to get out of those. Like I had like my agenda, my list of questions, and I was going to like 
squeeze everything out that I could. So I would say first identify like what the gaps are, like what you need, and then, you know, figure out where you can get that from so that you can move forward. And what I guess what you need to be able to put one foot in front of the other and make that like step. And I think for me, it was really getting the tools to analyze the decision financially. That was what I wanted the most support with. So anytime I showed up, that's what I was going to be asking about and talking about because I'm a numbers girl. So yeah, I wanted somebody to hold my hand through the process and I feel like you did that. So yes, thank you to you, Rachel. No, it's it's my absolute pleasure. And I love that. I think you're absolutely right. The clarity, being clear about what it is that you're looking to accomplish. And I think with the clarity, it helps you to get really focused on your goals so that you're not, you know, kind of here and there. I know a lot of the people who have come to join us, some of them may have invested in multifamily syndications or apartments or some of them you know, may have invested in long-term rentals. So it's it's really a different a different strategy. And the the numbers are very different, right? And yeah. the tools that we use are very different as well. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is I remember you talking about like it's all about the community and the connections, not just about like you as the instructor. And I really focused on connecting with people in LSA and have like created my own community of people and still talk to a lot of the students who were in the class with me. And so that has been like super helpful, just the network and building, building a community that could continue to support me even once I was done with the academy. So I will also encourage people to think not just about the course, but about like gaining connections and a network. Oh, I love that as well. And for me, that has been instrumental in my business, my business sets, because I have multiple. Yeah, it, it's all about the net. Your network is your net worth. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. So Chris, hats off to you. Con- massive congratulations. I just do not have the words. I'm just super, super proud. You are one of my whys. You know, this is the reason that I do what I do. Yeah, just, you know, at the end, we're just dragging you across the finish line. We're we're just going to drag you across the finish line. And, you know, and you're here and you're here. And so I thank you so much and hats off to you for curating um, the space in our community where you hold pods, property analysis. It's one of the favorites of the members of our community. That class is crowded, <laughs> you know, just from not knowing, you know, how to invest in short-term rentals to doing it yourself and now teaching it as well. So thank you, Rachel. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you, Chris, for sharing your story and experience. Yeah. So sometimes we do like a heavy analysis teaching or we're speaking to a vendor, but sometimes we just talk about the journey, you know, talk about the journey because we're facing a time, which I'm surprised about that. We're seeing some offers, some competing offers again in certain markets. It's like, not again. So it's like, that, that was news to me today. 
does as many of these stories of encouragement as we can share. I think it's going to be really important. Okay. All right, guys. Bye for now. Love you guys to the moon and back. Bye, Rachel. Bye-bye.